good morning. How are you guys today? Well, thank you all for being here with us today as we gather to worship our risen Savior and risen King, Jesus the Messiah. He is risen. Uh, he is risen. All right. See, we should have done it a second time at the park. <laughs> Now today we celebrate the resurrection of the Son of God and the resurrection of the one who has come to save us all. And we sing to him to, to give him praise for who he is and what he has done for us. The Apostle Paul says this of Jesus in the book of Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The Christianity proclaims this. Jesus was born in the flesh. Jesus is God come for us. He did not stay in heaven upon his throne. No, he came to die upon a cross for all of us. And then he arose from the dead. All of that, Paul says in Corinthians, is according to scripture. It's what's been planned. And now God highly exalts him and bestows on him the name by which everyone will bow. You know, the church is called to learn to have this mind among us, to be about this, to, to act like our humble servant king. In our world today, we need that. We need people that are following hard after the servant king. Let's have a word of prayer. But Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you on this beautiful day we can celebrate the resurrection of your son. That as we talked about this morning, it, it points to the, all the proofs we see through creation to the Bible, to everything, who you are, that there is a God. And Lord, we just thank you for this time to, to sing to you, to open up your word, and to just worship you, God. Be with us, encourage us, equip us, pierce us through, help us deal with our struggles and our questions before you, Lord. We praise you that you are a resurrecting king. A king that came out of the grave. You are alive. I just praise this and, and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how, how would you define life? You can answer if you want to. Hard? Crazy? I was going to say, crazy weird, right? Yeah. 
You know, life, life is hard. You know, life is good. Life is broken. You know, the, the answers could go on and on. And depending on our outlook, depending on what's going on in our lives right now, you know, as, we, as we walk through a day, as we get a coffee, as we visit with a friend, we might, you know, hear it. We might even say it. Well, you know, how was your day? How was your life? And time and time again, we answer, good, fine, okay, right? <laughs> you know, as we go on, you know, maybe with a good family friend, maybe with a family member, we, we dive into how our day is, how our life is, how it is full of brokenness, hardship, what we're dealing with, the hurt and the pain, what, what's sticking out to us, how we're blessed here or there, or what hardship is overwhelming us. Our perspective on life goes hand in hand with this. You know, the famous question is the glass half full or half empty, right? You know, what is our perspective? And then does our perspective in dealing with life bring the everlasting into it? Now, Jesus says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father, and, he, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now Jesus tells us this. If we have... All we want, if we have all of our needs met, if we have satisfaction, if we have all that we've gained, what happens if we forfeit our soul? And whatever we're going for, whatever we're going through, let us have this perspective that the everlasting king is coming. And he calls us to do this. And then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, if we come after him, we don't go on the path of life by our own perspective or our culture's perspective or our world's perspective. No, Jesus tells us plainly, we lose our life to find it. You know, it's not about our, our dream or our best life now or our health or wealth. No, it's about denying ourselves and picking up an instrument of death and following our Lord. Our Lord who calls us to die to self. You know, that we would know that the soul matters beyond all of our stuff, our hobbies, our life, our living, our health. Because all of that will pass away. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, The Weight of Glory. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations. These are mortal. And their life is to ours like the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors and 
or everlasting splendors. Now Lewis tells us this truth. We all have a soul. We are all destined for judgment. We will all meet our maker. And there are two places where we go after death, which all of humanity meets. The book of Daniel says, it, says this about the end. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and, and there shall be time of trouble such as there never has been since the nation, a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, and everyone whose name sh shall be found and written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awaken, but some to, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Now the truth is, is that there is an everlasting coming, one of splendor or one of horror. Christianity calls us, tells us to deal with life in that reality. That heaven and hell are dwelling places and people go to one or the other. What we choose here in life leads to one or the other. I think you know, the biggest problem, as I was thinking about this subject, the biggest problem we need to overcome right away in that subject is thinking that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. It's an incorrect thinking. You know, Tom, yeah, Tom goes to heaven and Jerry goes to hell, right? Because he's the cat that's always chasing the mouse. That's the old cartoon. But the truth is, is that one is for a perfect being, a holy and righteous God. That's his dwelling place. And no sin can enter there. Only the blameless can enter there. Good is simply not good enough. Hell is where the unrighteous, the un holy and those with blame go good bad or ugly go there christianity tells us this that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god <clears throat> and the wage of that sin is death but thanks be to god there's a but in that verse in romans 6 23 but the free gift of god is salvation in christ alone that in our place, Jesus died. And as we place our faith in him, as we rest upon him for our whole, as we put our weight upon him, we are justified in the sight of God and we are made new creations in Christ. And we are hidden in him and justified in the sight of God. And we can enter the dwelling place of the Most High, of the Holy One because we are made righteous by the blood of his son. So as, as we go through this life, we ask a question. And what do you treasure? You can answer that one too, if, if you want to. It's after potluck, so I understand. Oh man, come on, get done. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Now, Jesus says it like this 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In Colorado, moth can be replaced by bed bug, right? Yeah. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now, where is our treasure? It's in heaven, it's in our salvation. Or is it upon earth? Is it in our, in our hobbies, in our dreams, in our family? You know, that list can go on and on and getting our own way. You know, because as we track our treasure, we can see that that is what Jesus says. Our heart will be there. That's what we'll put our, our time, our money, our energy into. That's what we are about. Some can be good things but others can be dangerous idols. But either can get in the way of treasuring and serving our Lord and Savior. Now here and now we live in a day and age that you know, still kind of quotes he who with the most toys wins, right? You know, got that stuff, got that boat. or what, yeah, I was in Minnesota, so yeah, that boat, right? <laughs> or those luxurious golf clubs from Costco, which I had never seen before until I was in a Minnesota Costco. So there you go. <laughs> you know, but what will we truly win? You know, Proverbs states this, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of all of them. The rich or the poor both have someone that they will stand before. And no matter how much we have, we cannot take it with us as Job says Naked I came, naked I will go. Now let's turn to a story of Jesus together. Uh, turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12. Well, the gospel author Luke records this in verses 13 through 21. Jesus tells a parable of the rich fool, as it is titled in the ESV Bible. And it starts like this. And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to him, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in an abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
You see here in this parable, God is telling us to guard against all covetousness because life is not about possession. Jesus tells us of a rich man who, who thought to himself, I will build larger barns. I will store my, my stuff. I will have what I have. But then this happened. His soul was required of him that night. See, man looks at life this way. It's all about relaxing, eating and drinking and having a good time, right? But God calls us to deal, it, deal with this, the everlasting. We need to have this view of all of life. And even with the here and now. Because here and now, with the view of eternity in perspective, we can give glory to God as we relax, eat and drink and have a good time. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, so whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And then Colossians, he says it again, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. See, we, we aren't called just to give up relaxing food and drink in a good time. No, we are to do it all for the glory of God as we have eternity in perspective. We give thanks because God has given us our time. Ali Beth Stuckey says it this way in her book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay. Life is a marathon, not a sprint which means all of us have to find our rhythms and patterns of activity and rest that allow us to live out the work that has God that God has called us to do effectively and efficiently. And the question comes, what do we do with all that we have with our life, with our blessings, with our gifting? Are we placing ourselves before God? Do we bless others because we have been blessed? Do we live our lives unto ourselves or unto the Lord? You know, the truth is, is it's easy to get off that path. You know, it's easy to be about me and myself in the iPhone, iPad, iTunes generation. It's easy to have it our way now. So how do we get back? Well, we trust in our rescue. We trust in the one who has come for us and he puts us on the right track. But please turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 55. And Isaiah states this. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, who grew, for he grew up before them like a, a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers, is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. It sounds like it's out of a gospel, right? It's amazing. Jesus is the one who is revealed. As we spoke this morning in the park, he's, he's the final word from God. He, he's the one who's coming to take away all sin. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrow because he bore our sorrow. He was pierced through for our transgression and crushed for all of our wrongs. As Isaiah says, all of us have gone the wrong way. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush Jesus in our place and to bring humanity back to himself. Now Jesus does that. He brings us back home by his coming, by his life, by his death, by his resurrection. He comes to bring redemption. Well, today we welcome any and all believers in Christ Jesus to come and celebrate communion with us. Uh, the communion cups are the prepackaged ones. They're in the in the back. If you want to make your way, why why Mary is going to play a solo for us. So, woo, looking forward. Um, and um, but if you want to make your make your way back there during the the song. And all, all are welcome to, to spend some time with the Lord in this, in this moment to just thank him.
for what he has done, to confess sin and to praise the one who has formed and framed us, who has come for us. Let's uh, start this time with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together to, to worship you, to praise you. And to just uh, lift your name on high. Oh Lord, I just uh, want to lift up all those that are hurting and struggling, all those with questions, all those with, with pain, Lord, that they would come to you, that all those heavy-laden souls would just find rest upon you, for you are gentle and lowly, Lord, that we would trust in you and take your yoke upon us and learn from you. We thank you for this time that we can celebrate with you and do all of these things in remembrance of you, Lord, and your sacrifice for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.